Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. This is Tim Staples of Catholic Answers. I'm excited to let you know that I also teach high school apologetics for homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. There are also recorded independent learning courses at homeschoolconnections.com. Whether you take apologetics with me, literature with Joseph Pierce, or philosophy with Bill Donahue, or any of the other 400 plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, it's a great way to get Catholic learning for your family. Good morning, Philip. Good morning, Ricardo. I'm excited today because I hear our producer saying, do you have any banter? <laughs> and you said, yes, you do. So now I don't know what this is going to be. So super excited. So my question is, have you seen a doctor lately? Yes. You have. For something, I want to suggest something else. Oh, my. Yeah. I think you need... Have you ever worn glasses? Uh, I am wearing glasses. Oh, contacts. So, no, I have my glasses. Oh, but you have here. them on the desk. I can't so this see is that. what happened. I sat on my bifocals mm-hmm. like three months ago, and I haven't decided to change. So I went to my old glasses. Okay. So I couldn't get them fixed. So now I need to make an appointment, and it looks like too much effort to me. So that's <laughs> why I don't see very well. And you don't like to wear them. So when we're here, probably the last five or six times we've been together, you've given me the wrong scripture quotes or you've had something something off on that. Thank you, Philip. <laughs> yeah. Look at this positive, confidence-boosting, uh, you're getting older. And I'm totally fine with this. So my, my getting older is manifesting in other more serious ways, but I should get my, my glasses fixed. So I would think that my life changed dramatically the day I couldn't use contacts anymore. And the reason why I cannot use it was that at, I was traveling to Bolivia for a meeting with my community. On the way back in the plane, I got an infection, a pink eye. Okay. And since then, my my need for bifocals expanded mm. somehow. But my, my life changed completely because up to that point, I could use contacts, not remove them for a whole month, yeah. which is not very good. <laughs> and probably that's why it happened. Um, but it changed my life completely. Okay. All right. I'm getting old in a lot of ways this morning. More than you needed to know. Well, I'm, yeah, same here. So let me give you the wrong quote again. <laughs> we are gathering to talk about Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, 21 to 43. That's correct. And it's possible that you'll hear a slightly shorter version if you come to Mass. There's a shorter version. It's not much shorter, though, so we're just using the, the long one here. So I'll read that. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him and he stayed close to the sea. One of the synagogue officials, named Jairus, came forward. Seeing him, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, saying, My daughter is at the point of death. Please come lay your hands on her, that she may get well and live. He went off with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed upon him. There was a woman afflicted with hemorrhages for twelve years. She had suffered greatly at the hands of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet she was not helped, but only grew worse. 
she had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. She said, If I but touch his clothes, I shall be cured. Immediately her flow of blood dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Jesus, aware at once that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and asked, Who has touched my clothes? But his disciples said to Jesus, You see how the crowd is pressing upon you, and yet you ask, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. The woman, realizing what had happened to her, approached in fear and trembling. She fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be cured of your affliction. While he was still speaking, people from the synagogue official's house arrived and said, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any longer? Disregarding the message that was reported, Jesus said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid, just have faith. He did not allow anyone to accompany him inside, except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they arrived at the house of the synagogue official, he caught sight of a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. So he went in and said to them, Why this commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they ridiculed him. Then he put them all out. He took along the child's father and mother and those who were there with him and entered the room where the child was. He took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kaum, which means, Little girl, I say to you, arise. The girl, a child of twelve, arose immediately and walked around. At that they were utterly astonished. He gave strict orders that no one should know this, and said that she should be given something to eat. So this is my question. Here we have two intertwined miracles. It begins with one miracle, and it finishes with the same one, and in between we have another one. If Jesus is the Son of God, and he can perform these healings that we know he can, why is the text giving us so many details? What do we think is going on there? It's a very good question. I agree with you. What's your thought? I think we have to go to the details. I, can, I don't have an answer. I think that mm -hmm. the, the author of the gospel is trying to tell us more than just Jesus was able to heal. We know that. Right. You can compare the two miracles. One is Jesus interceding for someone who asked for healing for someone else. The other person, Jesus performs the miracle even without wanting it or realizing it. So, so maybe that's one of the differences. But all the details and all the, the commotion around it and the reaction of the disciples, it's fascinating the amount of, of stuff surrounding the, the healing themselves. I, I would, so I agree with you, but what comes to mind immediately is I step back a little bit and I see something I think I mentioned a few weeks ago in another gospel, the interaction of the divine and the human here. So all of the human interaction here, they don't just stand back. They're engaged in calling out to Jesus or being around, sometimes getting in the way in these relationships here. And I like that reminder that God gives us grace and for God, nothing is impossible. But you know what? He can't get into our hearts if we don't let him or he can't make us do anything he doesn't want to do. He invites us as human beings to cooperate. So sometimes when I see a lot of details, a lot of human interaction there, 
to me, a reminder of the way that as human beings, we can cooperate with God or to get in the way of God's work. As we know from interpretational tools that we have, it's interesting that there is, there is a name mentioned in Jairus, and it tells us that he was a synagogue official. So it's interesting to see one of the details is that Jesus is helping someone who, if he's a synagogue official, probably they are beginning here, chapter 5 in Mark's Gospel, they are beginning, there's been a, a confrontation between Jesus and, and, and Jewish leadership. So, so the, it's interesting that he helps this person, I think. Right. Of course, the beautiful, powerful image that I think most people will latch on to here is the touching of the cloak. Mm-hmm. And this, isn't that beautiful? It's a reminder, I think, especially right now, the beauty and importance of human interactions. As Catholics in particular, the importance of the sacramentality of the church, of, of touch, of being around human beings. And uh, that certainly comes to my mind when I hear of this touch. The other detail I see is the, the, the information about the illness of the woman. It's one of these, it's like leprosy. It's one of these illnesses that had many purity, impurity connotations. And that doesn't stop Jesus from finding out who it was. And there is, there is this certification at the end in the sense that Jesus needs to know who it is. And then he says, now you are healed when, when she's been healed before. You know what I mean? There is like this legal step almost that Jesus is claiming the, the, the authority of the, of the temple priest to say, I'm, I'm certifying that you've been healed and your faith has saved you. Mm-hmm. I, again, lots, lots of details. What about the age of the, of the, of the girl? Why, why does it tell us that she was 12? Mark doesn't tell us how, how old was the, the other woman, but it, it makes a point of telling us that this little girl was 12. And not even the little child is 12. The, the woman has been suffering this illness for 12 years. So 12 means something. The 12 tribes of Israel, there is something about the old regime or the old religious context that Jesus came to transform. I don't know the exact reason for that, but I agree with you. There's something important, and there's a very good reason that Mark did that there. There is a synagogue official, and then there is number 12, which is the number of the tribes of Israel. There is something there about old and new and, and the newness that Jesus is bringing, that that's what brings healing. Once we accept that Jesus is able to heal, then all these details need to mean something. Yeah. I look at the end of the gospel and that sense of hopelessness. The girl is dead, they think. And that's, that's a view of reality just through earthly lenses. And, and boy, how often do we feel hopeless? Do we look just at just what's in front of us, what our senses perceive, and sense hopelessness? And enter Jesus, and he says, no, 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 you're missing a whole other part of reality here that you might not understand, but there's a whole other part of reality, and she's sleeping. And uh, he brings her to, to life or wakes her up or heals her, whatever it precisely happens here. But there's um, such an expanse of, of reality beyond our senses. Do you see echoes, especially in the story of the, of the little girl, do you see echoes of another story? Yeah, yes. I think it's Lazarus. Exactly, yes. Commotion, yeah. Jesus almost waiting for the girl to be, you know, the, the, the girl dies while Jesus is on the way. That's very interesting, and I, I'm I'm pretty sure there is some connection between those two stories. Something that I would like to reflect a bit more. She should be given something to eat. What do you think that is? I think it's possible on a very simple level that this is not a spiritual resuscitation; it's a bodily resuscitation, and she's a human being has something to eat. Maybe there's something else there. Have you ever thought about that? It's an it's an odd last line. Again, I think that the story happened. Jesus heals someone, and then years later, they are trying to to bring more theology to this. And I think it's saying whatever model of religion they had before Jesus, that 
that didn't fit the girl. That's what killed the girl. But again, it's another layer of meaning, I, and I don't want to exaggerate. I do think that the, the historical event happens, but then 40, 50 years later, they are trying to reflect about it, and I think they load it with more theological meaning. We, we say that you, you could go to a, to a parish and, and not feel fed, and I think that's what, what he's saying, that before Jesus, the, the authorities of the synagogue were not feeding the people. Mm-hmm. They were not giving them hope, and, and, and Jesus is doing that. Right. So I think about the the girl with the hemorrhage and other illness that's taking place here and just think about and pray about our own illness, our own pain, our own suffering, whatever it might be. That hemorrhage is a great image for whatever it might be and just the healing gifts that come from God and come from a relationship with Jesus. And I think that's quite enough. Peter, James, and John, the ones that, that go to the to the transfiguration also. Another right. interesting detail there. That trio. <laughs> so so much there. And and with a homily we'll have to to pick something. And I I try to go to avoid overinterpreting, which people find very interesting and you look very clever, but really you're not helping anybody, I think. When I was younger I would do that more often. There is something about about healing uh, that ours is a ministry of healing, and I don't mean priests; I mean everybody. Right. And it makes me remember when we read about the Great Commission in Mark's Gospel that it's a ministry of healing: go out and heal people. And Jesus facet as a, as a healer, uh, something that we should reflect a bit more about. Right. As I sometimes say to you, I, I've got to think a little bit more about this. So I've got to sit down for the next few days and to, to pray and uh, think a little bit more about this. I can't say for sure which direction I'm going to go when there's a longer gospel like this. Excellent. How about we wrap it up and get together next week? And I will see you next week again. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.